to another episode of the Streaking the Lawn podcast. Once again, my name is Pearson. Once again, Ben is with me today. Ben, how's it going? Going wonderful. Just it's you know we're stumbled back free. from ground. Oh, it's nice. gorgeous outside. Fine weather, minus the rain, but just makes you want to talk about basketball, doesn't it, Pierce? <laughs> sure does. Unfortunately, uh, Mister Zach Carey is. Uh, not attending this episode due to uh, some academic obligations i feel like he's yet to fulfill i, I think true student athlete yeah he he's i think he's treading on you know fragile territory with with some things and so he's he's prioritizing the books this afternoon uh but we are here to talk about the who's and plenty to talk about in a couple of wins since the last episode aired uh we had the duke win at home that some might say uh you know was uh, a little bit of controversy which of course we'll get into and then a uh more stressful than we would have liked to it have been uh win in louisville uh, the worst part of that was just listening to the announcers try and defend kenny Payne the entire game was probably my my least favorite part um outside of the you know, shooting woes uh, across both mm-hmm. of these games. So that's probably the unifying uh, thing that, that that ties this week of games together. But I will say, I mean, you know, W's are what we're looking for, and especially a big win over a Duke team with plenty of talent. You know, who's, who's you know, Dukes have a decent season. It's not you know the, their standard, of course, but they're they're a good team. Uh, Louisville, of course, is not having uh, anything remotely close to a decent season, but you'll take your road wins however they come uh, in, in this conference. Uh, we're coming down the wire here, Ben. What you know? Did, did you learn anything about this team heading towards March that maybe you, you, you didn't know a week ago? I think we have a new problem, yeah. uh, which is has borne itself out, which how much of it you can say is random. It's that's up for debate, but the free throw shooting has been pretty atrocious. Uh, These two games, especially in the clutch, Virginia has been just shooting themselves in the foot by missing late free throws, missing front ends of one and ones and against Duke, just missing everything. I think they missed six straight <laughs> free throws at one point in the second half. It was Unbelievable. three for 12. I The arena, I remember losing it after Ben Vanderplas finally made one. Um, yeah. Which, I, it's just a problem that this team shouldn't be having, to be honest. Like, this can't be an issue if you want to be a serious contender for any sort of meaningful wins in March. I mean, Vanderplas in that Duke game, five for 11 from the line. Armand two for five, Kihei one for three. Against Louisville late, you had two straight chances to put the game away with uh, Kihei and Vanderplus, I believe, both going to the line, both missing the front ends of one and ones when they could have iced the game. And Virginia dodged a bullet against Duke uh, mm-hmm. in a pretty perfect manner, to be honest. I <laughs> am not someone who is going to mourn for Duke fans poor treatment at the hands of the officials. Uh, I actually quite enjoyed uh, the ACC's fine statement. Um, very <laughs> apologetic. Uh, and yeah. I, unfortunately, statements do not count in the ACC standings, but 
Virginia did dodge a bullet, uh, a game that they very much could have lost. And again, against Louisville, if Louisville wasn't Louisville, honestly, if there are any of the other teams in the ACC or any other power conference program, Virginia probably <laughs> loses that game with that performance. At the end of the day, 2-0 is 2-0. But, I mean, it was certainly not the most encouraging um, yeah. undefeated week that we could have hoped for. Yeah, I mean, the free throws obviously are a huge issue, and, and we saw that, like you said, on display both of those games. Um, you know, the field goal percentage for neither uh, for either game isn't uh, necessarily, you know, concerning. Uh, it was, uh, what, 51% by the end of the Duke game and 44% at Louisville. But, um, you know, I just remember checking in the first half, Duke, they made one jump shot. One. Yeah. And now, you know, Duke was giving them some layup dunks uh, opportunities. You'll take those, but it certainly wasn't because they only attempted three jump shots or something like that. They were cold from shooting at the free throw line and and anywhere else. And you sort of saw that continue um, in in a similar fashion um, against Louisville. You know, I think in both games in the second half found enough shots to win. Um, You know, thinking of of Armand for sure coming to life. And I think in both second halves, um, mm-hmm. nonetheless, you can't have slow starts in March. We know this more than most teams, most yes, <laughs> more, more, more than fans of most teams. So it is concerning. Um, it, the, the, I mean, the, the free throw shooting is baffling. And I know you talked mm-hmm. about briefly, you mentioned, especially in the clutch. So, uh, I know that's something you looked at closely. What does that really mean when we're talking about like literally tracking it as a stat? Yeah, so I put out a table on Twitter yesterday, uh, sort of with clutch free throw percentage shooting uh, in the ACC and sort of throughout the country. Um, for the sake of that, we're talking about last five minutes of the game or overtime uh, and games that are within two possessions. So it's within six points when you're taking the free throw. And Virginia ranks... Uh, pretty surprisingly, I think in the abstract, but also very unsurprisingly to us, uh, last in the ACC at 67.9% in the clutch from the line, mm-hmm. which ranks 253rd nationally, last in the ACC. And in my rush to complain about that, I actually posted that without including the stats from the Louisville game. So, uh, oh, even I worse. Mean, I'm not a, I'm not a math wizard, but if you add in the one for four that they were <laughs> against Louisville that's going to tank Virginia even further in those rankings, which it's just weird. And like, it's not something that you can, there's no scheme. There's no adjustments. I mean, you can make guys go shoot free throws at practice, but like, this just isn't something that should be happening to this team. Right. And it's coming from weird places too. Like Kihei Clark is a really good free throw shooter. We saw last season. I mean, uh, he was at what 78% from the line. And he's been missing consistently in the clutch. Gardner is shooting a career worst from the free throw line. Really surprisingly, he was up at 79% last year. He's down to 65%. And then Vanderplas last season, he was at 73% now down to 57% on the year after oh. last night. So this is just weird. Yeah. I And I don't want to think that everyone has just, gotten really worse at free throw shooting overnight i am still inclined to think it's kind of random yeah but at some point i do think it also sets in and you could feel it against duke a little bit sort of the anxiety 
in JPJ whenever we go to the line, the, everyone holding their breath a little bit. And you know the players can feel it too. Oh, yeah, of course. When you're three for nine, three for ten at the line as a team, like, you know that and you feel that. And yeah. to, I think these are good free throw shooters. I think they'll figure it out ultimately. Yeah. But it's not nothing either. And it's not nothing that they keep missing in big spots. And it's just something that seems like it could come back to bite them in a big moment. Right, they right. dodge two bullets. I mean, can't keep getting away with that. Yeah, I mean, you could say like, well, they're, they're probably going to regress to the mean and be better. Well, we don't know when that switch is going to flip, right? Like they've mm-hmm. got, what, five games and then it's tournament time. You know, it's yep. uh, the regression of the mean is not due in two games or anything. You know, if they wait too long, then... Like you said, it's it's going to come back to bite them. Um, that despite how bad the the shooting in general was against Duke, if you just have a normal free throw performance, chances are you're just sort of keeping Duke at arm's length and winning by eight. You know, and and no one really thinks anything of it, like other than the better team won because of how well mm-hmm. the defense played. And yeah. So, you know, that's why I want to talk about, about the Duke game. We can talk a little bit about the, the foul no call uh, or, or lack of foul and correct call, depending on how you look at it. Um, why, why don't we uh, – we could give an official blog response, um, maybe even read an official uh, response from a certain somebody. Uh, but <laughs> I will say, for me, I think they called a foul. I think they went, uh, that may have come after the whistle we can review that. I think they went and reviewed it, saw that there was no foul. <laughs> just went, yeah, it was after the whistle. <laughs> and then, you know, the, that's that was the explanation that they gave, whether or not they actually meant that the foul on the foul call was after the whistle when they blew the whistle is another thing that, of course, you wouldn't admit. Um I don't know what people are up in arms about, though. I mean, I guess if I was a Duke fan, I'd be like, well, you that was improperly. But it wasn't a foul. I mean, there was no looking at the play. It wasn't a foul. So what are you bitching about? I couldn't, you know, believe me. It's beyond me what what Seth Davis was on. You know, I get fans, but the reporters out there who, who really. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, the athletic that. guys. Seth Davis. There was another. I forget his name, but mm-hmm. one of the sort of Duke UNC guys uh, just sort of going on this crusade about Duke being jobbed by the ACC and this grand conspiracy to take away a Duke victory. And right. like, what? We never got an apology for 2016, as far as I can remember. And that one was pretty clear cut. Let me tell you, Grayson oh, Allen, yeah. Grayson Allen traveled. You can see his foot on the ground clear as day. Right. While he still has the ball in his hands. So I, I have next to no sympathy for Duke fans. I, yeah. It almost makes it more fun that they're still up in arms about it. Um, sort of. Every time I see Shire complaining about it, Seth Davis complaining about it in his column, it just gives you that extra little twinge of joy uh, to know that <laughs> this this game will go yeah. down in Duke fans' memory. Duke feel- also, who had the chance to play overtime and did nothing all overtime. <laughs> they didn't instead, even get shots up on like, their first I did not to. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah very true. <laughs> I mean, you know, Filipowski going to the line, for potentially getting his first points of the game 
at the end of regulation <laughs> like that, that that's another clear indication that maybe um maybe it wasn't your night blue devils um i think you know in, in a lot of these other uh, uh controversies about virginia wins uh, particularly the national championship game with the review out of bounds and oh so now when we review it we're gonna we're gonna go with who touched it last and not who knocked the ball to to intend the but you know all that crap sort of got thrown away and even the the you know Ty Jerome travel I think the the national discourse about it was like yes Ty Jerome traveled look at all these other things they didn't call against Auburn which you could do in this game because the guy took five and a half seconds to inbound the ball to Philip Haskins so it's you know clear but we're not getting that response maybe maybe Virginia's turning a little bit or may, maybe it has to do because it was Duke. And then the the brand, I don't know, or maybe we're just in uh, lack of sympathy territory. I guess we'll find out uh, when the next win happens that people want to complain about. I don't think I can imagine a call that would be so bad that it would make me somehow be like, "Oh, Duke got robbed." <laughs> right, right. Even the Duke, like they've fans... gotten it, they got enough under Coach K that everything yeah. is just like it cancels yeah. something else out. Yeah, <laughs> every like you know. I, I friend would be strong, but every Duke fan I know <laughs> said, you know, uh, we were due, you know, it looked like yeah. a clean block on the replay and whatever the confusion. Yeah. I mean, you don't, you don't want to lose that way or, or, well, like you said, they lost because they didn't score points in overtime. Anyway. Okay. So we're, we're on the same page. Uh, I think shockingly, um, should we read, <laughs> you want me to read Zach's statement? I feel yeah. like you read the statement last time. If I don't want to steal your, your joy you, you can you can have the statement All it's right. from that it's about louisville i think That's yeah, true. yeah yeah we're okay. gonna we're Sucks. gonna transition <laughs> so long oh he just, goodness he talks so much all right good morning afternoon or evening after wednesday's louisville win there's never been a better time to state that multiple things can be true wow deep thinkers very deep that. On the one hand, Virginia did what it needed to do to get a conference win on the road and stay tied for first in the ACC. They played well enough late and managed to find a way to win while shots weren't falling. The Hoos deserve credit for that. But beating Louisville by three points is not good. Winning close games tends to be more luck than skill, and while it was obvious who the better, more experienced team was in the final minutes, UVA was a few bounces of the ball away from its worst upset in decades. Yes, you heard me. Off nights happen. The ball being deflated to half its typical air pressure shouldn't happen, <laughs> but it did. If that's any other ACC opponent, Virginia loses the game. We probably will look back and view this game as a fever dream that was not eventually indicative of this team as a whole, but nobody can tell me that UVA actually deserved to win that game. Shoot better. Be smarter about lineup decisions. More shade on Coach Bennett from young Zachary. Every week. Every week, Ben. Does Zach hate Tony Bennett? Oh, my goodness. Coach lineup people decisions. people are saying it. Get Reese Beekman a Snickers and go win the freaking ACC title. Thank you. He did not sign his name, but that's from Zach. 
Uh, Reese Beekman, 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 by the way, two for 17 in his last two games. I was going to say, I mean, you know, you're watching that Louisville game and going, gosh, Reese is off, not, you know, off offensively. Um, and you know, there was an errant pass here and there too, but you know, I would say great, great defense as usual. And you think, wasn't that the case, uh, against Duke, uh, Reese wasn't really scoring. And sure enough, like you just said, two for 17, uh, I want him to keep hitting those o- or shooting those open threes. Mm-hmm. Gotta start going in, and I, you know, it sort of stays the same for everybody, right? Like I want Kihei to take his open looks. I definitely want Armand to take his open looks. You know, Vanderplas is gonna take those open looks, whether he should be or not. And I think it's a good thing that he is. And I think McNeely has found his comfort zone to hopefully take the open looks. He needs to have like the green light, green light though, above yeah. all of them. And I feel like he's still a little, a little hesitant here and there. But they really all are because none of them has been shooting very well recently. So. It, it, it sort of breeds that hesitancy uh, in some of those looks. And we saw plenty of that in both of these games. Will they regress to the mean of being a stronger shooting team? It wasn't, weren't we leading the conference in uh, three-point shooting uh, for most of the season? If not, I actually think still we still are. might be. Yeah? Oh, we're second now. Okay. We've fallen right. off. But, you know, I think – it's hard to talk about regression to the mean as like, oh, they're just getting unlucky recently. They'll be better when Reese Beekman shooting 48% from three after being a career sort of 30, 32% shooter was, that was sort of the aberration in my opinion. And it like, I'm not saying Reese's shot hasn't improved. Reese's mid range numbers are very bad this year. Uh, His free throw numbers haven't taken a significant jump. His there's no like, form reason to think that his shot is any different it's the same jump shot basically so mm-hmm. i mean there's just not really evidence to suggest that he turned into a 45 percent three-point shooter overnight i think what we're seeing with reese is a little bit of that progression to the mean i think you're absolutely right about mcneely and that was a guy who early in the season on this podcast we we kind of called it when he was down at like 28 29 we're like this dude is a really good shooter these yeah. look like they have to start going in He's up to 43%. I think I see on Twitter after every single game how over the last X games, he's been the best shooter in college basketball, which absolutely matches the eye test. I mean, he is just absolutely knocked down. Uh, Franklin, I think it's time to say, is a pretty good shooter. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know what you mean by that, you know. Right. Yeah, <laughs> although he's still so streaky in game mm-hmm. almost where you you can see there are stretches where he'll make one shot he'll have one good mid-range one good drive uh he'll get an open three on the wing in the flow of the offense and then he'll just decide to turn it on and start hunting his own shot and mm-hmm. he'll have other stretches where he's sort of just going through the motion of uh running around it used to be running around the mover blocker screens now it's running through this new sort of motion offense but the same sort of just going through the motions without uh, hunting his own shot. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I think it would be nice if he were a little less streaky in that regard. That being said, there's streakiness is also like people usually use it as a negative adjective. There's something to be said for guys who are streaky and will just win you games by making a bunch of threes at once. Like Armand's had a few barrages this year where he just puts up 11 points in two and a half minutes and then you're winning the game. Uh, Vanderplas is the same way, although Vanderplas's underlying numbers are significantly worse. Uh, like Armand's above forty percent from three on the season. Vanderplas is at thirty percent. Yeah, but there have been stretches uh, like 
against Miami, for example, where Vanderplas just single-handedly got them back into the game by yep. making like four threes in a row. So being streaky isn't always a bad thing. Um, streaky in terms of making shots and missing shots is one thing, but streaky in terms of aggressiveness, assertiveness is a little more concerning. And that's mm-hmm. that's something Virginia kind of already has enough of with Reese Beekman as being their primary ball handler. He's a guy who isn't always looking for his own shots. So they just need guys who will go get buckets at times. Yeah, it's funny. I think my thoughts on Vanderplas and having that green light is like you want to make sure you don't miss out on the nights where he's hot. You know what I mean? Like, because when he's hitting, uh, it's a whole other level for this offense. I think Reese, you see him being more assertive, getting into the lane, but a little bit, I don't know, a little bit of a reliance on like, you know, mid-range jumpers, I, I, I feel mm-hmm. like. And I, I don't have the stats to say he's doing it more often. I've just noticed he's, like, taken a few and, you know, missed them because most people not named Jaden Garter miss those, you know what I mean? And <laughs> um, I could be totally off base and he's making most of them. I don't know, but uh, I, I feel like recently, certainly that hasn't been the case. Recently? Um, right. Because uh... uh, he's two for 17. Okay. Um <laughs> The defense against Louisville, I saw clear adjustments, which was nice. Um, L. Ellis, you know, played a really good game. Looks like a, a, a strong player. I don't think he's quite on the should be a guy who can beat Virginia single handedly strong player type of deal. <laughs> and and it almost turned into that. Um, but you, you saw Reese when when Reese was on him, gave him a lot of trouble. Um, mm-hmm. And, and th- there was one point where. The announcers were like, that guy was so open because Virginia's defense keyed in on Ellis and it was like three defenders on Ellis. And I was like, good. Three defenders mm-hmm. on Ellis make somebody else. And yep, to Louisville's credit, they hit some of those open shots because they were king on Ellis, but not enough to win. Um, and not enough that I thought like anything but focus on their good player. <laughs> this, team, <laughs> this team has one ACC win. We don't need to give them the charity W. Uh, they didn't so but you know vibes vibes okay vibes good vibes strong yeah okay i'll lean with okay <laughs> i think i don't you know, think we can call the vibes good after that Louisville game. yeah well we've we, like we've hit on it's just they can't sustain this in the postseason uh mm-hmm. so something's gotta kind of improve a little bit uh to make the runs that we want to see them make just in case you missed what the uh, deflating reference was that oh, Zach had, uh, we should say, just in case this this podcast is your one media consumption of UVA sports, uh, mom, uh, it's uh, they were, they, they, after the game, they even said, hey, when you saw it on camera, he was like grabbing the ball and going, it's bad and handing it to Coach Bennett. And they clarified after the game that, in fact, the ball was deflated. The players all noticed it. They tested it, and it was what half the PSI that you normally would play, which is, with, which is such a huge difference. I mean, like comical. Uh, it's like uh, what what school was playing? What, it, it was FSU Duke a women's game. They were playing with the women the with the ball. men's ball, right? Yeah, I mean, like what a colossal failure at the, twice in the ACC this year now. What are we gonna yeah. do, man? I mean, I, I maybe that explains that god awful Louisville position at the end of the game when they were trying to get a three. Because I can imagine there's Oof. already enough pressure on you, and you you get the basketball and you try to like dribble it. And extra it's, squishy. Because like the, there's a reason the 
ball is supposed to be pressurized the way it is. It's so it bounces. <laughs> it's a ball. I can't believe they played the game with that. Although, that being said, one thing about the ball with less air in it, it's a little softer on the rim. Soft, so forgiving. Maybe those late game free throws should have should have gone in. They should have gone in, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh goodness. Uh, where are you? Where's on, our statement on fouling up three when the other team has the ball late? I mean, against Louisville, I wouldn't do it. Yeah, they're Louisville. Um, I don't know. I God, I'm sure there's some statistician somewhere who's worked out the exact math for when you're supposed to foul late. Whatever. Um, I think against Louisville, make them earn their points. Yeah, you can only, in my mind, you only do it if it. If we're talking like three seconds and under. Yep. And you got to make sure that they don't know you're doing it, so they don't, you know pull up a jumper while you're trying to foul it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's tough. But it was funny to see that Louisville had 30 seconds and just... Yes. <laughs> they were like, all right. All right They're so see. bad. We're the worst team in the conference. We've got a possession that... I mean, I know four-point plays are possible, but best-case scenario in general, we can tie the game on a, another three-point shot. We've been shooting it pretty good tonight. Let's hold the ball. And the other team, that, the other the top ten team visiting us can't <laughs> hit a free throw to save their life. But let's hold the, the ball. They got the rebound with 0.7 seconds left, uncontested. Like at least yeah, yeah. make an effort to take a full quarter or something. That I thought that play was just the encapsulation of Louisville's season. They did have a see, chance to put up a half court heave, and they don't even look at the basket. Did you see the guy the shrug before Vanderplas even took the attempt and missed? Mm-hmm. Like the three of them or four of them sitting there, they were like, "Well, what should we do if he misses?" And they were like, "Nothing." Mm. <laughs> oh uh, man. And you have to hear, well, Kenny Payne's got his guys playing really hard. He's clearly the guy for the job. Man, they are 3-20 and 20-something. This is the most losses in the history of a program that most people would put in the, you know, solid upper echelon, if not elite blue blood status. But, you know, as far as, as, as basketball programs historically go, and you're going to, like... I, defend the job oh my goodness i i don't care who is on the roster this is not anything defensible i'm not saying they're gonna fire him because of who kenny Payne is to the louisville program historically they very well might keep up and you know financials going etc etc but nobody should none of these talking heads should be on tv being like he's doing a good job He's going to play it so hard. And I noticed they only lost by six to Miami. Whatever, man. They've won three games. Are you kidding? I, I was, I was, be, I, I, anyway, we don't need to talk about Louisville. I know. Do you think they get another one in the ACC? Regular season or tournament? Because in the tournament, they're going to get a shot at one of the bad teams. Uh, that's true. And they've still got, they're still at Georgia Tech. They're that still home be. against Virginia Tech. Those are the only yeah. games that they really have a shot at. Uh, I don't know. The, I think no. The Hokies have been awful. up and down, but the uh, the Hokies have a good coach, right? Like, of course, yeah. we have a good coach, and they almost beat us. <laughs> uh, Virginia think... Tech, by the way, stinks, stinks. I cannot <laughs> language. They are making that Virginia loss look so much worse. But after we lost to them, they have lost to Boston College at home and Georgia Tech on the road, which are both yeah. just so embarrassing. Yeah, uh, that's not helpful. They're doing it to hurt us. 
Yes. They're getting <laughs> revenge in any way they can. Oh. All right. Let's get a, a little, a quick little preview before we wrap up of the Notre Dame uh, fighting Irish who also stink um, uh, and are coming to town for the only game uh, that UVA, uh, at least in the regular season, will play against Notre Dame is noon uh, on Saturday. Um, Notre Dame has struggled to put it uh, lightly, mildly. They have two conference wins, so they've doubled up Louisville's win total. Uh, but they're ten and sixteen on the year, two and thirteen in the conference. They beat Georgia Tech at home by a point, and they beat Louisville by fourteen. Uh, yeah. <laughs> other than that, L's. Although their game before this game against Virginia is a four-point loss in Cameron Indoor against the Duke Blue Devils. So, you know, I guess a moral victory. There are no moral victories when your team can barely win a game. You know they beat Michigan State this year? They started the season 7-2 and with that win over Michigan State. And I remember looking at, like, the early season ACC contenders, and it was like, Notre Dame's up there. Virginia Tech was up there. People forget Virginia Tech started like eleven and one, twelve and one, or something. Well, and they, and they lost by the, two to Charleston. They won the conference tournament last, you know. And, uh, yeah, and it's like, oh, they're going to be really good. Uh, Notre Dame, like Virginia Tech, has just absolutely fallen off a cliff. I think since they were seven and two, they're uh, three and fourteen, uh, which you don't like to see. They've <laughs> lost to a lot of bad teams because there are a lot of bad teams in the ACC, and they are two and thirteen against those teams. So. Uh, this Oof. is a game that Virginia should win. They're at home, so they have to take care of this, right? I would be pretty darn shocked. I would have been more I'd, I'd be more surprised by that than had UVA lost yesterday, just because it's a road game. Mm-hmm. I think all of us were going like they should handle Louisville. They're the worst team in the country, but sort of being like, wouldn't it be just like Virginia to to come off yeah. that Duke emotional win with a you know anyway? So yeah. Virginia should yeah. win um, their next game. We probably, yeah. Next episode will be after Boston college uh, on the road. Um, you know, it's another road game against a pretty bad team, but BC's capable. So mm-hmm. they win that assuming they beat Notre Dame uh, that leads to the, the UNC Clemson stretch. They talked about a lot uh, recently, but we'll be back to talk about that. So um, hopefully Hopefully, no jinx. Two wins against Catholic schools. It's Virginia the four, <laughs> fourteen and three. Uh, but let's take a quick look at their com- competition for the one seed in the conference tournament. Is Pitt, who is also currently twelve and three. Their five remaining games, and they have the tiebreaker over Virginia. So Virginia needs to win one more game than Pitt does uh, at Virginia Tech hosting Georgia Tech, hosting Syracuse. So I would feel much better if that was in Syracuse at Mm -hmm. Notre Dame and at Miami and and Miami should be favored to win that game. So one seed in Greensboro, not looking great. I mean, Virginia should be favored in the rest of their games, but I mean, you you know, you've got Chapel Hill. Yeah. That UNC game is going to be huge. Yeah. I know you think Clemson is terrible, but clearly Clemson has at least proved that they're capable of winning games. They blew out Florida State yesterday, yeah. by the way. By exactly. 40? Jesus. Was... Um, before that, they did lose three straight games, including 
to Boston College, which is pretty terrible. But dun, dun, dun. all right, so hopefully they take care of business, so we can come back and really break down uh, the heels and tigers matchups. But until then, uh, dear listeners, stay tuned to streakingthelawn.com for more pregame and postgame analysis. And uh, for everybody at the blog, I'm Pierce. Go Hoos. Oh, 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 oh,